Hello, welcome to episode 13 of the Colcast. I am your host, Chris Collins. It is Sunday, the 10th of February, and I am recording the double header that I promised. Um, obviously, we had a podcast come out yesterday, just having a look at some of the events that were going on last weekend, and then a short little preview into the fights that we had last night. Um, I will be recapping those on this podcast. I'll be going over some of the news stories, the major ones over the last couple of weeks. And also we will be having a look forward to next weekend as well, which is a monster weekend full of events. Um, I say it's Sunday. I will probably release this podcast at some point in the middle of next week i don't want to inundate everyone with content would rather spread out a little bit so you can get to grips with the last podcast if you've not heard it already um now that you've watched all the fights and you know all the results it'll probably be a lot funner to to listen to just to see how wrong or right i was we'll get into that in a second but with um everything that's happening as well just want to put a little break in between two podcasts basically so there's not too much coming out at any one time so without any further ado let's have a look at the the fights from last night and we'll start with uh bellator so obviously Bellator Newcastle was starting, uh, or went went down last night. Um, just a showcase of all the, the finest British talent that Bellator have got, basically, or, or most of them. So obviously um, elsewhere, apart from the main card, you had, uh, to be honest with you, it, it, was a, it was a very entertaining card. There was finishes all the way up to um, judo, Jim Wallhead fighting. Obviously he won a decision, he looked great last night. Um, highlights of, of the early fights, you know... He, like I said, Jiro Jim looked fantastic. Carl Eleanor picked up a big, um, a big win. He looked fantastic. It was just a really, really entertaining um, night of fights. The guys who, guys and girls who went down to watch that last night in Newcastle wouldn't have been disappointed. And you go onto the the main card. Um, sort of spoke about this a little bit on yesterday's podcast. But Fabian Edwards was going to do what Fabian Edwards was going to do. I was expecting him to finish the fight. He didn't finish the fight. He did pick up a decision though, and he looked fucking fantastic doing so. He's now six and zero. You know, a win over Lee Chadwick at this stage in his career. Lee Chadwick, the veteran that he is, he's a blinding win for Fabian. It really is, and there's going to be big, big things in in Fabian's future, no doubt about it. Especially at that weight class, he just needs to pick up the experience and just pick up more wins, basically, and that's all there is to it. Terry Brazier, I thought was going to edge out Chris Bungard. It did not turn out that way. Chris Bungard surprised uh, myself and surprised quite a few other people actually. Came out guns a blazing and managed to get Terry down in the second round and submit him with a rear naked choke. Excellent performance by Chris. You know, that's a, it's a big, big statement, especially against someone like Terry. Only lost once in his career before this. He's now dropped to 10 and 2. Chris moves on in that division. Aaron Chalmers. Obviously, it was a big fight last night. Um, a lot of the attention was on Aaron, you know, the celebrity that he is, the the knockouts that he's picked up so far. He was 4-0. He did have a chance to finish it against Corey Browning. He dropped Corey. He made the mistake of walking away thinking the fight was over, gave Corey those all-important few seconds to recover. And it's just an experience, that's all it is. Listen, he gets a lot of hate, Aaron Chalmers, but it was a good performance. He looked great throughout. He made a mistake there and he got caught with a heel hook in the third round by a more experienced opponent. It happens. You have to put these, you have to learn from these losses, which undoubtedly he will do. He said um, immediately after the fight, you know, I'll be back, which I believe he will be. He's not took any real damage from this, you know. Expect to see him on the, the next British card that Bellator do a little bit later in the year. It, it really isn't the, the, the be all and end all. Um, Obviously not the same skill levels at this point. I wouldn't expect Aaron to be spoken of as any sort of future world title challenger at this point in his career. But a bit like the Aaron Pico fight, you know, sometimes you lose very early on in the career, nothing to hang your head on. Have to get back in the gym, just learn from it, get better. Uh, and Aaron Chalmers will undoubtedly be better in his next uh, in his next go. So 
look forward to seeing him fight again. Props to Corey Browning, you know, killed the hype on Baby Slice and now he's killed a little bit of the hype on Aaron Chalmers. But Chalmers will be back, he'll be better. Browning moves on. Good win, good fight, very entertaining fight all round. The main event between Patricky Ferrier, well, Ferrier, Patricky Pitbull, Patricky Ferrier, uh, and Ryan Scope was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Ryan Scope is supremely talented. There was no doubt about that, and I wasn't doubting that before the fight. I just thought that Patricky, with his experience, with his power, that would make the difference. Um, I actually think Ryan Scope won the fight. The, the contentious round would be the second round. It, it all depends on how you saw that, how you scored that. I scored it for Ryan. The third round was the biggest round of the fight, and that was definitely Ryan's round. Uh, Patricky edged the first round. I, I just thought that, you know, from the second round onwards, the, the momentum completely turned. Ryan just took over the fight. He, he was he, he was outworking Patricky. He was hurting Patricky. It, it was a tough, tough fight. Don't get me wrong, it was very close, but... I felt like Ryan was very hard done by last night. You can feel aggrieved. You know, he, he falls to to the second loss in his career now, but he's going to get a big fight on, it, on his next outing, no doubt about it. The the performance he put up here in in front of what was a hometown crowd, fantastic. He really did look good um, last night, Ryan's go, but it's more of a story of how good he looked um, rather than how good Patricky looked. Uh, and I didn't think Patricky looked especially bad, to be honest. It was just a very competitive fight that... I felt like should have gone the other way, but you win some, you lose some. Again, just like Chalmers before him, he'll be back, he'll be better. Um, and what an experience, you know, to, to push someone as good and as experienced as Patricky to the limit, basically, and, and almost have a decision from him. UFC 234 was the big one last night. Obviously, um, you had... All the drama surrounding the main event, which I will get into soon when we go through the news events, but... Your main event on short notice was Israel Adesanya against Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva turning back the clock with a vintage performance. Um, Israel Adesanya showing that he's pretty much Anderson Silva 2.0, but with a, a few extra tricks up his sleeve. Really competitive fight, really fun fight. Um, both of them peacocking each other at times. Uh, both landing great strikes. Anderson blitzing forward a couple of times and, and clocking Israel. Israel, you know... Using his his length, um, his distance into to, to land some some sharp lefts, um, uh, a couple of counters on 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 Anderson as he was coming forward. Just a really competitive fight. Um, the the right man definitely won the fight. I don't think he was thirty twenty seven. I think Anderson maybe shaded the second round. I scored it twenty nine twenty eight. But the right man definitely won the fight. Um, no one was a no one was a loser in this. I don't think Anderson looked great. You know, he, I don't think he's ready to retire yet. I, f I still think he's got a few fights left in him, uh, especially on this showing. And, and Israel's, you know, the real deal, still undefeated. Will probably fight for the title in his next outing, depending on what's going on with Whitaker. It could be uh, an interim title um, title fight against Kelvin Gastelum, maybe, who knows. But Israel looked fantastic as ever, and he marches on to short title contention. Anderson Silva, still one of the best in the world, one of the best to ever do it. Really looking forward to seeing him in his next outing. Um, hopefully he'll get a big fight and we, we get to see more of uh, Vintage Anderson before he he calls it a day, basically, because it's not that long away, is it? Elsewhere on the card, Lando Venata in the new co-main picked up a very good submission win in the first round against Marcos Rosa uh, Mariano. Um, just look sharp, Lando. He, you know, he's fell on hard times with his results, but he's, he's always entertaining. Always, always entertaining. One of the best... Um, in terms of skill in the lightweight division, I think he's striking is nasty. Um, he scored some, some. I mean, the one over uh, John McDessie, the, the spinning heel kick was phenomenal. If you've not seen that before, go back on YouTube and watch that. That is nasty, but great fight. Really, really was a great fight for, for Lando. He looked fantastic. Picked up a, a, a Kimura right at the end of round one. And uh, yeah, back in the win column and, it, and he marches on at lightweight. Ricky Simon got a big win against Hani Yaya. He picked up a unanimous decision, a very dominant unanimous decision. One card was even 30-25. I did think Hani Yaya would have too much experience, too much about him here, but um, Ricky just outworked him and put it on him. And that's 
pretty much all you can say about that fight. Ricky Simon, really impressive. Um, he will get a, a bigger and better opponent on his next outing. Hani Yaya, you know, he's been there before in the, in the UFC. He's had a couple of losses. He'll do what Hani Yaya does. He'll take a step back um, and he'll start to build himself back up again. Montana De La Rosa surprised me. She picked up a win over Nadia Kassem, uh, broke Nadia Kassem's unbeaten record uh, with an armbar in the second round. Um, oh, I'm not much I can say about this, but you know, Montana seems to have a little bit of a, in a short career so far, a little bit of a hoodoo. The, the top girls that she was facing, she, she wasn't quite good enough to pick up wins. You know, I would consider Nadia um, a, a rising prospect. I think it's a very, very good win for Montana. It might be the win that... Uh, just manages to to edge her onto onto the next echelon now in in that division and start to push forward towards the top. Um, she just looked great. She looked really really great. Really really assured performance. Really tidy armbar. Um, locked it up tight in the second round and got the tap. Um, really really good performance. Jim Crute opened up the main card and he uh, starched Sam Alvey. Sam Alvey was contesting the stoppage. A little bit he wasn't happy at all he wasn't fucking smiling was he but it was the right decision you know Jim had him hurt he, he was landing big shots and the referee saved Sam there's no doubt about it Sam Alvey's tough but he lives to fight another day he, he just got clocked there's nothing more you can say about that Jim Crew looks like a good prospect a win over Sam Alvey is a big win because Sam Alvey's tough and he's faced some of the best in that division some of the best in the UFC you know former champions top contenders he's been in there with a hell of a lot of fighters Sam Alvey he's always busy um, always three or four fights a year and for Jim Crute to finish him in the first round like he did is a big statement so congratulations to Jim elsewhere on the cards really entertaining card um, fans definitely got the money's worth even if the star power wasn't there uh, highlight elsewhere Devontae Smith on the um, prelim headliner knocking out Dong Hyun Ma and he's it was a fantastic performance, you know, uh, landed big shots, followed up to the ground and finished it there. Uh, ref mercilessly, um, or mercifully rather, stepped in and stopped it and saved Duncan Ma. And, you know, you had a bit of comedy afterwards as well with the with the post-fight uh, interview where he was analysing, he was doing a, a play-by-play of his own punches. Um, go back and watch that if you've not already. Uh, it, it'll make you chuckle. He's he's a funny guy, Devontae. He's got a lot of personality. I can see him being a big star, to be honest. Um, but only if the UFC does him right, does him proper, and doesn't rush him towards any big fights. So expect to see him with a, a similar, similarly skilled opponent like a Dong Hyun Ma on his, on his next outing. He needs a couple more of them, a bit more experience under under the bright lights of a big show. And undoubtedly, you, you might have one there in, in Devontae Smith. He, he looked really sharp and really, really good. So congratulations to Devontae Smith. He was undoubtedly one of the MVPs of the night on what was a very entertaining UFC Australia card. So big news stories over the last few weeks. There's been a lot happening to be fair but i will just go over what the major ones are so the major major one was the absolute heart-wrenching gut-ripping development that came out early on yesterday that rob whitaker was out of the main event of 234 ufc 234 with a hernia um started developing the symptoms on weigh-in day it's just one of those really unfortunate events i mean what can you do rob wicker rob wicker's a he's an animal i mean he's he's fought his last couple of fights against yo romero he was he was hurt badly in both of those going into the fights and he still fought this is just one of them where he's got hernia there's nothing you can do he was throwing up he was in really bad shape and had to go to the hospital Uh, and it is what it is you know hoping he has a very speedy recovery Still think he's he's one of the best at one eighty five, if not the best. I'm really looking forward to seeing him back, seeing him healthy, and seeing him perform again. The weird thing was the way that Kelvin Gastelum uh, dealt with it, and I don't know whether it's weird or whether it's brilliant, because he turned full heel. He was carrying around what I can only assume is a fake belt. Some some sort of uh, replica UFC belt and was um, declaring himself the champion because Whitaker gave up by forfeit. 
doesn't work like that, Calvin. Doesn't work like that, I'm afraid, mate. But it could work in terms of making sure that he's still relevant and making sure that he's still the first in line for the title shot. Either when Whitaker comes back or when what I think happens, which will be the UFC announcing that Whitaker has to sit out for a while and Israel Adesanya gets the title shot in an interim title bout against Kelvin Gastelum. So it might actually be smart that Kelvin's decided to be a weird dude after the fight and carry around a fake belt. You know, whether it's planned or not, I don't know. Um, Kelvin's never really been too outlandish. He's very confident, obviously, but he's never been too outlandish before. Um, he's definitely the brashest I've ever seen him. Could end up being a masterstroke and a really brilliant move because otherwise he might have been forgotten about in what was a very un unfortunate set of circumstances. So, yeah, it was that after the fight. Quite odd, but there you go. Other than that, big news stories is the pretty much the circus that's going on at Lightweight at the moment. So, obviously, um, John Jones had his hearing um, where he's going to get tested every minute of every day, forever and ever, amen, until UFC 235. Um, but the the big one, really, was what was going to go on with Khabib and Connor. So, Khabib got, I believe it was a 500k fine uh, for jumping the cage and attacking Connor's teammates. Um, Connor got 50k. They, they both got suspensions as well. But Khabib's teammates got, uh, I think it was year suspensions, and Khabib saying that, uh, as a show of solidarity to his team, he's going to sit out until his teammates are allowed to fight again. Okay. The problem is you're holding up the lightweight division. Dana doesn't sound too keen at that idea either. So there has been talks of Khabib getting stripped. I don't think that's going to be what happens. What I do think will happen, though, is there will be some sort of interim title fight in the meantime. If we are being fair, it should really be between Dustin Poirier and Tony Ferguson. If we are going for the marketing edge, what is the most popular, it will probably be Cowboy Cerrone and Conor McGregor. Do I want Tony Ferguson versus Dustin Poirier? Fuck yes. Do I want Cowboy Cerrone versus Conor McGregor? I mean, fucking, fucking, yes, yes. You know, you, you can't want that fight enough. You can't want both fights enough. Why not just put them on the same pay-per-view, do some sort of lightweight tournament, get it booked early, maybe May, June, and then do the winners of both of those two fights at the end of the year, and then the winner of that one can face Khabib next year. There you go. Don't call me a UFC matchmaker, but I'm brilliant, and that's the right thing to do. Would you disagree with me? Would you not watch Tony Ferguson versus Dustin Poirier? Of course you would. Would you not watch McGregor versus Cowboy? Of course you would. Would you not watch those two winners of each two fights fighting each other at the end of the year for an interim lightweight title? Oh, of course you would. Would you not watch the winner of that face Khabib next year? Of course you would. All fights are brilliant. All fights are extremely marketable. All fights are popular. All fights will get fans tuning in. Do it. Book it. Boom. Done. After the fight with Israel and Anderson Silva at the weekend, um, there was a couple of call-outs. The, the biggest one being uh, Weidman saying that he wasn't too impressed with Israel. Um, to which Israel responded, he was quite uh, platonic, to be honest. He, he didn't really delve into it too much, but he, he was picking and he pretty much said, hmm, he was just over and over again in his interviews, he was like, hmm, you're not impressed with me? You think I'm overrated? Okay, we'll see when you face me down the line. Pretty much the right response by Israel. Um, just don't delve into it too much. I can understand why Chris is doing it. Um, he, he's trying to, you know, keep his name or throw his name in the hat uh, as a potential opponent for for Israel. You know, if Chris Weidman gets Israel Adesanya, beats Israel Adesanya, he's undoubtedly the number one contender again. Yeah, despite the the sort of rough run that he's been having. You know, Chris is one of them. It's a bit weird. He's looked great recently, but he's Things just seem to be happening, um, really tough luck, and, he, and he's losing these fights when he's actually winning them quite handily. It, it's a bit of a, a strange one. It's a bit, been a bit of a strange fall from grace for Chris Weidman, but he's still one of the best in the world at 185, I think. Uh, um, I would definitely watch a fight between him and Israel Adesanya. And it, it's just a case of he, he's trying to keep himself relevant, trying to keep his name in the hat. And it wouldn't be a bad idea, would it? Um, we don't know what's happening with middleweight, especially with Whitaker out now. We don't know how long it's going to take to sort out the situation with him, who's next for the title, whether there's going to be an interim belt. But 
this is the time now if you're if you're if you weigh 185 pounds this is the time to throw your hands up in the air and throw your name in the hat and see what you can get out of it so yeah bit of a bit of a tit for tat between Israel Adesanya and Chris Wyman but it's all good in the hood um they are pretty much the the major news stories to be honest no point digging around anything else that's happened there's, there's not been apart from obviously the the big news with John Jones about his hearing but I really am just fed up of talking about John Jones and the drug test and picograms and uh, Terinabol, oral Terinabol and um, Viagra or Tialis or Pimafils or whatever the fuck he's been taking. So I'm not even going to delve into that. If you want to listen to my takes on John Jones, go back and listen to the last 1,000 episodes of the Coldcast and you'll hear exactly what I think about what has been going on with John Jones. Jeter. Uh, <clears throat> oh. Sorry about that. Something, uh, some sort of lump in my throat there. <clears throat> Cheer. So next weekend is going to be a hello weekend of fights. There is so many fights and so many good fights. Um, if I went through all the events top to bottom i would be here all night talking about it so i'm just going to go over what are the big big fights so we'll go for uh one championship first so one championships on next weekend um is one championship clash of legends you obviously have the headliner in that uh, the bantamweight super series world title between uh nongo gayangadao and han zihao um the co-main being Kongsak, Kongsak fighting against Alaverdi Ramazanov. So starting with Kongsak first, Kongsak, legend of the sport, legend of Muay Thai, um, 162-59-2, super, super experienced knockout artist, and the guy has KO power in every single limb. You've only got to look at his last three fights, you know, Gertrude, that nasty left high kick followed by the left punch, um, El Islam, the, the the body shot, uh, saucer before that knocked him out of an elbow. He's super super talented. He mixes it up so well. Everything he throws is with bad bad intentions, and he's just a he's just a little wrecking ball. He's just a machine. He goes in there to destroy, and I think that's exactly what he's going to do to Ram- to um, Ramazanov. Ramazanov, he's looked, he's. Obviously not as experienced, not nearly as experienced. He's looked good while he's been in one championship. Obviously, you know, the the highlight for him was the decision win over Petch Morricot. Um, workman-like decision, very, very good. Showed off a, a lot of his skills and how well-rounded he is. It's just a case of, of experience. Um, very similar to the main event, which I'll go into in a second. But Kong Sachs just got too much from here. Too many tools, too much experience, too much power. And I'm going to go for a round two knockout slash TKO win for Kong Sek. In the main event, Nongho against Hansi Hao. Hansi Hao, again, similar story to Alaverdi Ramazanov. Really impressive since he's been in, in one championship. Uh, he, he's got the world at his feet, 23 years old, I think he is now. And he's going to be super, super talented. He, he is already super, super talented. And he's going to be even better in the future. Um, obviously, his big highlight late last year, that KO over Ryan Jakiri, he looked fantastic in, in that fight. But Nongo, a legend, a living legend. Um, over 300 fights, I think he's like 260 um, wins within that. Just a ridiculous record. So much experience. Uh, he's won 11 of his last 13. He's He's won both of his fights in one championship so far. You know, one championship, a lot of what they're doing with the Super Series is built around guys like, guys like Nung Ho. And it's just a case of too much too soon, I think, again, for Hansi Ho. You've got to get in there with these guys. You know, Muay Thai um, and slash kickboxing, it, it works differently to, to MMA. You, you see quite inexperienced guys going against the super, super experienced guys all the time. They're fighting a lot more often, obviously. Um and it's just yeah, it's just a case of too much too soon. I don't think Nongo's gonna finish him. Um, Nongo's never really been. Uh, obviously, he he has won fights by finishes. He he's won he's won some. He's had some gnarly KOs before, but he's he's more of. 
he goes for efficiency rather than uh, power. He just he's so talented that he just he almost seems effortless for him in there. He's so I just can't say enough good things about Nongo. He's so good, so so good. I mean, if, if you want to learn how to strike, you, go and watch YouTube highlight reels. He, he's just ridiculous. He's so so talented. Like I say, living legend. Can't say enough good things about him. I think he's just going to walk to a decision here. To be honest, he's going to claim the, the bantamweight title over him on championship. It's as simple as that, you know. Andy Howe's got power in his hands. Like I say, he's a rising star. He's going to be a big problem for for all the guys at that weight class in the future. But too much too soon. Nongo's going to win this by comfortable decision. I think um, very very comfortable decision. I don't think Han's going to cause him too many issues. And yeah, it's not going to be a surprise on anyone's books when he claims the bantamweight world title, I think. So there you have it. Bellator are doing what Bellator love to do, having a, a little bit of a double header, a doubly header um, next weekend. So obviously you'll have the Friday night fights, Bellator 215, and then Saturday night, Bellator 216. On Friday, you've got Matt Mitrione headlining against Sergei Karatanov. Mm, this fight is quite simple for me to predict. I think I think a lot of people are leaning towards Mitrione. I disagree. I think Karatonov is going to get it done, and I think Karatonov is going to finish Mitrione. Mitrione has had a lot of chances in his career to get over the hump of beating an elite fighter. He's never really seemed to do it. In Bellator, obviously he's picked up good wins. The, the Fedor knockout was impressive. Um, he picked up a win against Nel uh, Roy Nelson, which was... You know, it was a, a lot more competitive that fight than I think he would have liked, but all the same, a very good win. It, but then you, you you see him against guys like, you know, even in, in his UFC career, um, when he finally got to check Congo, too, just too much for him. Um, his last fight in the UFC, I know, was, it was super unfortunate against um, Travis Brown with the eye pokes. There's, there's nothing you can do about that. But, you know, submitted really quickly by Brendan Sharp. Goes over to um, Bellator in the, in the Grand Prix, you know, bigger than Ryan Bader, but then Ryan Bader, you know, manages to to dominate him like he did, um, and made it look effortless. I know Ryan Bader's, you know, in a, a league of his own at the moment, but it's those elite guys that Mitrion just never really seems to get over the hump of beating. Um, he just seems to to fall at hurdles as soon as he gets, you know, into the top ten. He's, he's facing these top ten best in the world, and Karatonov is on a He's on a great run at the moment, you know. The, the, the Nelson knockout in his last fight was nasty. You know how tough Roy Nelson is. Um, Geronimo Dos Santos was it was a great submission that win. Chase Gormley that knockout was nasty um, a few fights ago. He's just informed Karatonov. He's got power in his hands, dynamite in his hands, um, and I, I think he's going to finish Mitrione here. I can see a, a, a round one finish. I think it's going to be. Uh, fast start. I think they'll both go after each other. Uh, I think Mitriano just get a bit too aggressive, uh, and Karatonov will, will clock him and finish him. Next fight down: Logan Storley and Ion Pascu. Ion Pascu, nasty striker, eighteen and nine. But this is a showcase fight for Logan Storley. I think um, unbeaten at nine and zero. Oh. Fantastic, fantastic striking. Um, not much more to say rather than that. To be honest, I think. I don't think he'll finish Eon, but I think he'll pick up a decision victory. I just think he's he's the younger, he's the fresher, he's the better. He's got more skills, he's got more tools in his arsenal. Uh, I think he's going to use that on, on route to a, a unanimous decision victory. Um, the only other fight I'll look at on that card, uh, Toby Misek against Eduardo Dantas. Um, Toby Misek, 10-5, although he is 5-1 and one in his last six, so... You know, rough rough start to his career. He, he's managed to turn it around recently, but his his strength of competition isn't the best in the world. Uh, and when you're talking about Eduardo Dantas, you're talking about someone who's been in there with the best, with some of the best. He's, you know, the last two fights have been rough. I know he's been beaten by Michael McDonald, but Mayday McDonald before he retired, one of the best in the world. Um, Darian Caldwell, fantastic, fantastic fighter. He's beaten Leandro Higo. He's beaten Marcus Galvao. He, um, Warren, you know, he, he's beaten. We know we all know how good Warren is. He's been uh, beating some of the best in, in Bellator for a long, long time, for many years. It, it's just a, it's a bounce back fight, really. This for Eduardo Dantas. It's it's Eduardo's fight to lose. I'm expecting him to come out and just go after Toby straight away. And I'm going to say that he picks up a submission in round two. 
Bellator 216. Michael Venom Page versus Paul Daly. Oh my. Everyone in the UK has been looking forward to this for a long time. I think this one is very simple to break down. Paul Daly, Semtex, perfect nickname. Power in his hands. That left hand is ridiculous. He's just got a death touch. If he hits you with it, you are dead, you are gone. But I don't think he's going to be able to hit MVP. I don't think he's going to get anywhere near MVP. And I think it's going to be a bit of a a whitewash to be honest this is a coming out party for mvp i know he's not faced anyone of paul daly's stature or ability before in his career but his last fight against david rickles just showed me that and you've got to bear in mind david rickles i, I know he's not a world beater but he's been in there with some of the very best he's very talented david rickles and for him to just give up in that fight like he did he just looked clueless. He looked like he ran out of ideas. For him to give up like that, um, he's frightening. MVP's frightening. He really is. He, he comes from that sport kickboxing background. He, he's he's you know the the, the points kickboxing. His his timing, his distancing, his speed, his accuracy is all on point. You saw what he he did to like the likes of of, of Santos. You know, pretty much caving in his skull with that knee that was perfectly timed. He's just an animal. He's an absolute animal. And Paul Dale is going to go wild. He's going to go after him. There's a lot of bad blood between them. And it's going to play right into MVP's hands. And um, MVP is going to knock him out in the first round, I think. Co-main event, Czech Congo against Vitaly Manikov. Um, tough one to call this. Czech Congo is quietly doing it, isn't he? He's just dominating in Bellator. He's now picked up seven wins on the bounce. Everything was a bit boring with him until his last two fights when he knocked out Ayala and then he knocked out Timothy Johnson. So he's back to striking again and he's back to knocking people out and he's all of a sudden again discovered at this late stage of his career, oh shit, I have some power in my hands. Vitaly Manikov though, 20-0, unbeaten. He's, he's a scary... Scary, scary guy. But the one thing I have against Vitaly is his strength of competition. Apart from Alexander Volkov, which is by far and wide his best win in his career, but it was very early in his career, um, a lot earlier in his career, and Volkov wasn't the Volkov that we know now. He's just not faced the calibre of opponent that Czech Congo has faced, and I think that's going to be the difference here. I think Czech Congo is going to make this fight ugly I think he's going to just use his size and his strength to wear on Manikov and I think he's just going to turn this into a boring decision to be honest and pick up his 8th win on the bounce and I think he's going to give Manikov his first loss of his career I think it's going to be a bit of a snooze fest to be honest but I think Czech Congo is just going to do what he needs to do, be as disciplined as he always is to, to pick up the win that he knows he needs to pick up in order to be next in line for the, for the heavyweight title. And I would imagine the winner of this gets the next shot at the belt. So, yeah, Congo by boring decision. Rolling back the clock, rolling back the years, Mirko Krokop, the Croatian legend against Roy Nelson. Obviously, these two fought quite a long time ago in the UFC in uh, one of what was supposed to be... Uh, Krokop's last fight before he came out of retirement again. Krokop's now won, I think he's won nine on the bounce, actually, Krokop. Um, and he's finished all those fights since he come back. Obviously, the, the highlight for me was um, his return to the UFC, his short return to the UFC, um, where he picked up that nasty TKO victory against uh, Gabriel Gonzaga, sort of even the score there. Um, and I think Mirko's going to make it 10 here, and I think he is going to pick up a finish. I think we're starting to finally see Roy Nelson's chin deteriorate. He's only won four of his last 13. He's taken the irreversible damage in his career, I think. Um, I'm not a big fan of seeing Roy Nelson take the punches that he does anymore. I'm not quite sure why he's still doing this anymore. I don't think he has anything to prove. He's a fan favourite. He, he's one of the best heavyweights to ever do it. Um, just for the fact that he's so undersized. I mean, if he weighed, if he was weighing in at the weight that he should be, he would undoubtedly be a middleweight. Um, so for for him to have the wins that he does in his career and for him to have achieved the things that he has in his career is just remarkable, to be honest. But 
I think Ryan Nelson's on the, the, the wrong end of his career now. Um, I, I think Crowcock's going to get it done. I think he'll pick up another, another win here. I think he'll even the score, just like he did against Gonzaga. Um, and I think he'll pick up a, a TKO in the second round. The last fight I will take a look at on Bellator 216, Yaroslav Amosov, 20-0. and 0. Um, and he welcomes Eric Silver to Bellator. Eric Silver picked up a win on his last outing in LFC, but in his last six, he's two and four. Um, as soon as USADA started sniffing around the UFC, Eric Silver mysteriously started losing fights, didn't look as good anymore, and his body changed. But I'm not accusing anyone of anything. Why would I do that? I don't know Eric personally. I don't know if he's taken any dodgy supplements over the counter at a, uh, at a Holland and Barrett. What would I know? But Eric Silver, alas, he's 29 in his career now. He's not looked great recently, but he comes over to Bellator on the back of a, a decent win in LFC. But Yaroslav Amosov, scary guy. Like I said before with Vitaly Menikov, you know, his strength and competition hasn't been crazy good but his last fight against Gerald Harris who is obviously a veteran you know he's been in promotions all over the place including the UFC the way he dealt with Gerald Harris and beat Gerald Harris was very impressive um, and I think he has more than enough here to uh, give Eric Silver his 10th loss of his career to be honest I think it's going to be a second round knockout TKO I think Eric Silver is going to start off fast like he does um, just try and blitz uh, Amosov, but I think he's just going to get tired very, very quickly. I think Amosov's going to weather the storm, and I think he's going to come back and finish him in the second. And that is that for Bellator 216. The only other thing to discuss is the big one. The UFC on ESPN won their first card on mainstream ESPN channel, and it is being headlined by Francis Ngannou against Cain Velasquez, what a fight we've all been looking forward to. Main fights on the card. Um, main card aside, your your main biggie is uh, Jimmy Rivera against um, Aljamain Sterling. This one's pains me really. Aljamain Sterling's very talented, super super talented. You know, uh, the submission he caught the knee bar on uh, on Staman was fantastic. Brett Johns, obviously UK fans will know Brett Johns, the, the Welshman, super talented Welshman. Uh, great win by, by Sterling over uh, Brett Johns. He's beat Henning Burrell, former champion. Um, Mendes was a good win. But the thing with Sterling is his three losses in his career were against the guys who were at the upper echelon of the division. He obviously got knocked out badly by Marais. He was beaten by Asunsau. No shame in them. And then his other loss was to Carraway. Um, say what you want about Carraway, but Carraway at, at the time, anyway, were, was an elite fighter in the division. This is another chance for Sterling to get over the hump, but I don't think he's going to be able to do it just because it's Jimmy Rivera. I mean, apart from a blip recently against Marais where he was knocked out after 20-odd seconds or, or whatever it was, you know, flashing the band knockout, Marais just caught him and that was that early on. You know, Rivera, he's beaten Iori Alcantara, Pedro Munoz. He, he destroyed pretty much um, Uriah Faber, the nasty leg kicks in that fight. Um, Thomas Almeida took him out. Um, John Dodson, uh, that was a good win. You know, Rivera's beat the best of the best in that division. Um, everyone pretty much not named uh, Marais that, that he's faced. And I just think he's going to have too much for Sterling. Um, Sterling's best bet, obviously, is to... Get working on his wrestling, you know. Get deep, get deep on a single or a double. Getting down and just start to go to work. Um, I just think Rivera's footwork and distancing are, are going to weigh a big factor in him avoiding going to the ground. Um, and, and I think apart from that, he's just going to light Sterling up on the feet a little bit. Um, I don't think he'll finish Sterling. I think it's going to be a unanimous decision. But I, I think it's going to be. I I will call it a thirty twenty seven for Rivera. I think Rivera gets it done. Um, and just knock Sterling back a bit again for him to, you know, start to build up towards title contention again. Main card: Andre Feely and Miles Jory, um, two middling featherweights. If I'm being completely honest, Miles Jory had a very promising start to his career. Went 15 and 0 in lightweight, 
before he ran into Donald Cerrone. Donald Cerrone um, just took him apart in that fight. Uh, he's lost to Charles Oliveira in a fight that he didn't really have to take because Charles missed weight by, I think he missed weight by like six pounds or something. Um, good of him to take that fight. Obviously, he was knocked out by Chad Mendes not long ago. He sandwiched in between those. He, he had good wins against Mike Delator. Uh, Rick Glenn was a good win, you know, Rick Glenn's super tough, super talented, uh, a veteran of the sport, you know, but he, he's kind of fell on hard times, Miles Jorin, I think he's just trying to reinvent himself again. Uh, with Andre Feely, I think it's a winnable fight for Jory. Andre Feely, you know, he, he's lost to Michael Johnson, uh, Calvin Qatar, he beat him, Yaya Rodriguez, obviously knocked him out with that incredible kick, go on YouTube that if you've not seen it, Um. He's lost against some of the best in the division, but wins against Lobov, you know, Artem Lobov, he has a, a an extremely questionable record. Uh, Hakan Diaz was a good win, Dennis Bermudez, but Dennis Bermudez wasn't the Dennis Bermudez that he was a bit earlier on in his career. Um, feel he's a, he's a solid top 15 featherweight. I just feel like Jory's got a, a few more tricks up his sleeve, a few more tools in his arsenal. Uh, I said that quite a lot in this, in this podcast, but um, he's just got a, a few more tools, I think. He's just got... A, He's got higher, just that slightly higher level of skill. Um, and I think he's going to edge Feely out on a decision, close decision, I'll call it 29-28. Luke versus Barbarena. Um, Luke's been quietly picking up win after win after win after win. Um, apart from Leon Edwards, he's unbeaten in his last eight, you know, and you're talking good wins. Uh, Chad Breeze was a good win. Haider Hassan was a great win. Nico Price was a great win. You know, not world beaters um, at the weight class, but good guys. Good guys who were, who were all pushing for the top 15, um, especially top 20, definitely top 20. And I think he gets it done here against Barbarena. And Barbarena, you know, he's had some good wins over the last few years. Um, Sage Northcourt, he was expected to lose that fight. Killed the hype there. Wally Alves, again, killed the hype there. Um, Proctor was a great knockout. Ellenberger was a great knockout. And you could argue that Barbarino only gets beaten by the best in the division. You know, he lost to, to Leon Edwards as well. Um, Colby Covington beat him in a decision. Uh, but I just think Luke is the, the rising star here. I, I think he's flying under the radar. I think he's a lot better than people um, are giving him any credit for. In fact, a lot of people are just missing him out completely, I think, and just not uh, noticing him at all, which is uh, slightly worrying for everyone else, really. I just think Luke gets it done. Uh, I've got a feeling in my waters that he gets it done, and he gets it done by knockout in the second round. Alex Caceres and Chrome Gracie. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Alex Caceres, 14-11, soon to be 14-12. and 12. Good fighter, Alex Caceres. Really talented, I think. Uh, very unique style. But Chrome Gracie is going to do what Chrome Gracie is going to do. He's going to get across the cage. He's going to get his hands on him. He's going to get him to the ground, and he's going to submit him. And that's all there is to it. Prone Gracie, you know, Son of Hickson, grandson of Helio, that that lineage is just his his jiu jitsu is about as good as jiu jitsu can get, and he's gonna just maul Caceres, I think, and uh, yeah, submit him in round one, and that's my that's my sixpence on that one. Courtney Casey and Cynthia Calvillo. Not too dissimilar to some other fights I've discussed on this podcast so far. Cynthia Calvillo is heading for the top of the division, I think. Apart from the extremely close fight, which she lost to Carla Esparza, um, she's unbeaten in her career. She bounced back very well with the, the Paula Botelio, um fight. She, you know, it was a really good rear naked choke that she got in that fight. Courtney Casey, on the other hand, you know, eight and six. She beats... Everyone, and then she gets to the top of the division, the girls at the top of the division, and she struggles and she loses. Uh, case in point, she's she's lost to Claudia Gedalia. Um, she was beaten by Michelle Waterson. Uh, Felice Herrick's beat her. You know, as soon as she gets to like that top 10, top 5, top 10, um, she starts to struggle a little bit, and, and they, they bring out the, the limitation that she, she's got at this point in her career. Courtney Casey's tough. You know, she's got skills. She's getting better all the time every time we see her. Um, it's not like she's getting severely outclassed in any fight that she's in, but she's just not got enough about her at this point um, to, to trouble the top names in the division. And I think Cynthia Calvillo deserves to be spoken about as a top name in that division. Um, I think Calvillo gets it done, and I think she gets it done by unanimous decision. Co-main event, James Vick and Paul Felder. 
difficult one, this. James Vick has looked phenomenal in his career so far. Apart from two fights where he got caught by Justin Gaethje and he got caught by Benil Dariush, he's pretty much looked unbeatable. But Benil Dariush has power, we know, and can clock him with the best of him. Same with Justin Gaethje. And Paul Felder has power. Go and have a look at his highlight reel. It is outstanding. Still, my favourite is that spinning bat fist he landed on Danny Castillo earlier on in his UFC career. Frightening, you know, the, the reaching knockout. Uh, Stevie Ray was a nasty one uh, with the elbows. Charles Oliveira, he finished not so long ago. And Charles Oliveira is a monster at the moment. Uh, it just seems to be submitting and, and beating everyone and anyone. It's a difficult one to judge. Both fighters are very similarly placed in their careers. Um, Vic's obviously now standing at 13 and 2. Fels is 13 and 4. They only really lose against uh, top names. You can argue, you know, the Mike Perry fight was lost for Felder just because of the damage he took in the first round um, and the fact that he was, he was facing a bigger guy. You know, he, he moved up short notice to face Mike Perry at welterweight. I just think Felder's got that come to Jesus power um, and it's going to cause Vic some almighty problems and I can just see him clipping Vic in the first round and knocking him out uh, which I don't like to say, I like James Vic, I think he's a, a top prospect in that division and I think he's got a bright future ahead of him at 155 but I just think Felder's going to be the one to, to win this one and uh, move forward in the division so sorry I do apologise, I'm getting all uh, bunged up flued up all of a sudden, um, yeah I think Felder's going to be the one to, to move forward here Um He'll he'll pick up the win, um, and then you know he, he's right there, isn't he? He's, he's challenging the top names in the division. You know James Vick's not a million miles away. It's a good win for anyone to be picking up, um, and, and this is going to be the win that pushes Felder to the top of the division. I think so. Yeah, unfortunately, I like both guys, but one's got to win, one's got to lose. Paul Felder by knockout first round, and that leads me on to Francis Ngannou against Kane Velasquez. And this one, um, everyone's on an iron. Don't get me wrong, I think Francis can catch him. Francis has got scary, scary, scary power. Uh, probably the scariest ever, apart from Anthony Rumble Johnson. But, Cain Velasquez. This all depends on which Cain Velasquez turns up. Now, you can argue the long layoff, but the thing for me is, he had a long layoff when he came back for UFC 200 against Travis Brown, and he fucking destroyed Travis Brown. Destroyed him. It was just a mauling from start to finish, and he looked better than he's ever looked. I know it was Travis Brown on the downside of his career, but still, Jesus Christ, it was probably the best performance of the night for me. I, I remember my jaw dropping, you know, just at how good Kane looked in that fight. And if he comes back as any version of that, um, even at 50% of that version of Kane that we saw on that night, he's going to mollywop Ngannou. There's no question in my mind. He's going to walk forward. He's going to use his head movement, at, at beginning to avoid the big shots. He's going to push up Ngannou against the fence. He's going to get the takedown sooner or later and then he's just going to start to go to work and destroy Ngannou and I think he'll break Ngannou and I think he'll finish Ngannou and I think that finish will come in round three so yeah sorry Ngannou you know crazy power frightening power it's his one big weapon that he has that you know it's a good weapon to have and that you can finish a fight at any point but I think Velasquez is just going to He's just going to maul him. He's going to walk forward and take him down and ground and pound him into oblivion. Third round TKO. Um, I think that's how that one ends, and I can't see it going any other way. And that is that. So a uh, bit of a longer podcast. And like I say, I will release this uh, for the middle of next week, maybe Wednesday or Thursday, just so you've got something to listen to in the middle of the week. Um, and you've got a little bit of time to listen to it before the fights next weekend as well. Um, but yeah, this this was a fun one. This was a fun one to do. Um, great fights last night, uh, especially Israel Adesanya and Anderson Silva. Uh, so disappointed that that didn't go for another two rounds. I mean, it was just starting to liven up in the third, wasn't it? But maybe we'll get to see that again down the line. Who knows? If Anderson picks up a win in Israel, 
Anderson's always one win away from, from challenging for the belt again. He always gets promised a title shot, and Israel has got to be there now for a title shot. So who knows? Maybe the MMA gods will, will come together and, and give us a treat at some point in the future. But yeah, a great night of fights he was uh, last night, despite, you know, Whitaker, um really dreadful what happened to him, but hopefully he'll be back soon, he'll be back healthy. But, but he was still a very entertaining night of fights. I think the, the, the crowd got the money's worth, even, like I say, if there wasn't a, a lot of household names. Something the UFC needs to address going forward, I think. You know, you've got to have at least three or four fights on the card that have, you know, stars, um, names that we know and love, entertaining fighters. Otherwise, you get situations like this and you're left with one marquee fight on the card. It's not good for the fans at all. And it's no disrespect to, to the other fighters that are on the card. It's just we don't know who they are yet. We've not had a chance to hear their stories. We've not had a chance for for the UFC to, to push the marketing behind them and, and make them into the you know the names that we all know and love now. And, and we want to fight the, the guys and the girls that we want to tune in and watch. So that takes time to build people up. And in the meantime, part of what helps build them up is getting stars on the card. So people are tuning in to, to watch their favourite fighters at the top end of a card and by product, by result of that is they're watching all these other great fighters on the undercards and uh, and elsewhere on the main card as well. So that's the vault of the UFC to be honest, they need to make these cards stronger. Uh, maybe part of that is not having so many events, I don't know, I'm not an expert on it to be honest. Um, just a, a thought that I've got for watching from the outside looking in. So, uh, yeah, before I, I waffle on anymore, um, thank you for listening to the, to the podcast. Um, thank you for listening to this episode in advance. Follow me on social media. Um, I'm locked out of Twitter at the moment. Uh, I can't seem to, to figure out the dispute that I've got with Twitter to get hold of the Twitter back. But follow Twitter anyway, at the Coldcast. Do follow us on Facebook and Instagram because I'm still active, very active on there at the moment. So, at the Coldcast, T-H-E-C-O-L-L-C-A-S-T. Um, subscribe to the podcast on whatever you're listening to whether it's on Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor whatever station you're listening to we are on all of them we are on all of them so please support us please listen to us tell a friend tell them to listen to me slide into my DMs if you've got any feedback for me I, I love hearing your suggestions and the stuff that you've you've said to me so far um, it has really helped me get better I think um, like I said on a couple of podcasts ago, listening to the first episode to listening to the recent ones, I think there's a, a massive difference. So, And that's thanks in part to the feedback that I'm getting off people and the comments and stuff. So please keep them coming in. Really appreciate it. And that is that. I uh, will obviously do another podcast probably early next week. Got quite a, a busy jam-packed weekend coming up, but that one will just be having a look back on... Um, say early next week early early the week after um that one i'll be looking back at the events next weekend that are going on obviously bellator 215 216 the ufc on espn one and then one championship as well we'll uh, we'll have a look at all of that and any new stories that are coming out in the fight world and that is that i am chris collins it's been lovely speaking to you all and i will speak to you soon